Okay, hello, welcome to episode 152 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, I am coming to you live after the Nuggets beat the Kings 121 to 111. And honestly, don't let that score fool you. We're not that close. Um, um, so no Fong today. Um, he's feeling a bit under the weather and actually missed the game. So no, it'll just be a solo pot of just me talking. Um, I'm, you know, just a little bit of a spoiler warning. Not going to talk about this game all that much. Not all that much to go through. Um, it was a bit of just, you know, like, <laughs> Nuggets uh, are a better team. The Kings look discombobulated, dis- disinterested, and just kind of just got ma- got handled, basically, by uh, the Denver Nuggets. So what happened during this game? Kings come out a bit flat, and the, the Nuggets took a, bit, took a bit of a lead. Now, the Kings would have periodic bursts of just kind of slowly cutting back to the game. But then, you know, of course, like, you know, they score on a few possessions, they get a couple stops, they look like they're building a little bit of momentum, and then it kind of just gets cut off um, one way or the other. Um, they end the first half trailing by 12 after, after a short uh, flurry, after trailing by base, like, I think just under 20. I'm not sure if it got to 20 in the first half, but yeah, they basically hovered around and managed to go on a little bit of a run to end the quarter. Now, of course, you know, they usually, unfortunately, like, you know, third quarter, infamous for the Kings, kind of constantly blowing leads. However, they came out strong. They actually went on a 12-4 run to actually cut the lead to four and, you know, like, looking like they were going to threaten. But then there's a guy on the Nuggets. Now, they are absolutely injury depleted, but they have the reigning MVP. It just doesn't seem like it's talked about enough how goddamn good Jokic is. And he just put on his hard hat and went on a scoring, like, on just a path of destruction, you know, every single way possible. He drove to the rim. He dished. He shot from three. Like, he is just a beast of a player. Like, and, you know, uh, credit to Alex Len for, for this game. Like, he held him to, like, as much like as much as he could. He actually did a pretty good job, like, you know, just handling by himself, like, the period like every now and then they would double and like he did Alex Len did his job but like Jokic is just you know a problem that cannot be solved you you start doubling him you start sending help he passes you let him go one-on-one he's going to find creative ways to score he actually played Damian Jones off the court this game um Damian Jones only played eight minutes Alex Len just lit just completely or like Alex Len ended up having to play 28 minutes and again did what he could and just but he is the mvp and he just went on like individual scoring tiers that just basically like when things are looking grim a superstar does what a superstar does and that's exactly what Jokic did he just put on his hard hat and just grinded that lead back to double digits and the kings like they threatened for for moments but like again they would have these bursts of scoring and defense and then it would you know ultimately just kind of you know crumble it was just kind of crumble, fall apart, and they're in the exact same position that they're in, you know, and, you know, like, the big thing with this game is that it just felt like the, the Nuggets never really felt the Kings. Now, I did just mention, like, there were some moments where, like, Alex Len did a good job, and it kind of shut down their defense, or shut down the Nuggets' offense for a bit, but, like, for most of the game, like, it's just... The, the, most of the Nuggets just felt like they could do anything. Like, they would attack off the dribble. And, you know, for love of God, they 
back cut the shit out of so uh, so many times because Jokic is the best passer in the league and is always looking for back for guys cutting back door and he just he just sliced and diced the Kings like that way by just nailing these passes you know and uh, yeah it was just like one of the one of the guys that really stood out this game Bones Highland he, at one point he was just dancing on on the Kings after hitting a layup like he was a guy that came into came into this game apparently shooting five for thirty um, from three. Like for I, I think it's a stretch since he's been back. I think he got injured in, in the middle, in the middle. And like he he comes in five for thirty, you know, opens opens it up by I think I think it was a step back three on Tristan Thompson. I forgot if that was the first three or not. But basically he hit a three because of course he is, and then he hits proceeds to hit another three. And he ended up, I believe, three for six from three this game because that's just kind of what the Kings are. Like, guys don't respect them, and they're just going to have guys that just, oh, I'm having, you know, I'm not doing well in the past few games. The Kings defense is going to be a little loose. I'm going to take advantage. And that's what Bones Highland did. And boy, that, that man is cocky. That young man is very cocky, and he took advantage. Um... They, they, he just kind of personified just again how no one really felt the Kings defense for much of the game and that's just how it is with this team they just they don't have that intensity they don't have the connectivity they don't have the communication they ju- they're just playing kind of like they're almost just disinterested they're not a collective team they don't play like a team and you know with a with a guy like Jokic um who can direct this like who can just slice and dice defense just with his passing like he is going to eat you alive and that's kind of what he did um what else I, I mean I, I do have to talk about like De'Aaron and Halliburton they were the only two guys and, and Alex Len of course I just mentioned they were the only guys that ended up playing well Barnes didn't play well Marvin had some points but it was pretty awful on defense like um Damian Jones as I mentioned got played off the floor um Mo Mo did what he could he had two threes that was nice but didn't do much else like Tristan Thompson he's just not good anymore (laughs) it's just this is how it is and Davion couldn't hit a shot Buddy Heald couldn't hit a shot and just was in there like for stretches and you know it, it really kind of to summarize just how bad the things have been going for Buddy Heald like since I think it was the Lakers game like Facundo Campazzo, all 5'11 of him blocked blocked a three that he rushed at the end of the game. And that just that just kind of personifies, that just summarizes how bad Buddy Heel can be at sometimes, like with his shot selection and just, you know, decision making. Um, yeah, not a good game for basically anyone else other than De'Aaron Fox and Tyrus Halliburton. Ty, I mean, Fox has been kind of finding finding himself again. He's like attacking confidently. Like he had a few floaters that rimmed out, but overall he was really, really good. And you know, Tyrese, like he just like the main thing with him, like he had 14 points on five of seven, um, and four for five from three. So like, what am I going to talk about? Five for seven like seven attempts that's not enough he needs to just shoot more he can kind of like you know when he had that run of what is it like four straight games of 20 20 and 10 like we were hoping that that was a turning point that Tyrese had figured something out and that when De'Aaron came back if he could maintain that level of scoring he could and like you know De'Aaron finds himself you got yourself you got yourself something there but, you know, the past few games, Tyrese has kind of gone back into his little hole again. And 
he's going to need to find a better balance of just hunting his shot more. Now, of course, he got six assists and De'Aaron had uh De'Aaron ended up with five. Like, you know, they they play make as much as they could, but like Tyrese just needs more shots. Like he is, he is the second best player on this team, and if you have Harrison Barnes only taking eight shots, somebody needs to soak up those shots. It, it, I just don't think it can be Buddy Heald. It can't really be Davion Mitchell either. Like he's not been shooting well, except for like one game since since he's been back. Like somebody needs to soak up these shots, and when you're the second best player on the team, and when you're Halliburton, you need to take more shots. It, and it's unfortunate to see like you know. Kings, I guess, need to find a way to figure this out. Although we'll get into it a little bit later, but they need to figure out like how to, like, play, how to play well as a collective when De'Aaron is playing well. There just never seems to be the mix, the perfect blend of De'Aaron having a good game and the Kings are winning. At least this season. Last season, like, they were, they were, he kind of carried them for for a stretch, for stretches. But like this year, like either De'Aaron has a really good game and the team gets destroyed. Or like he plays like shit, and somehow the team does better. Now I'm not I'm not saying like Ewing theory, blah blah blah, all that bullshit. It's it's just you know like let's not let these De'Aaron games like go to waste, you know. And like he's finally finding his rhythm, but the team is falling apart. And I don't know what it's gonna take to turn it around, but like as it is right now, it looks like he's found something, and the rest of the team needs to keep up with him. Okay, well. Like that's basically how the game went. My way, my if I could summarize the game in about let's just say two sentences. Kings don't have it. They're not connected on the court. And you know, Kings fans right now is just they're it's hard to be invested in this team because we know this is kind of the beginning of the end for this core, and something needs to change. And until then, it's gonna be hard to you know to go to be invested in this team. And you know, as a fan, it hurts. To, it really hurts. But at the same time, I'm watching a team that's also playing like they're expecting that this that they're not going to play with this core for much longer. They're not. They're not all like they're not all in. They're not all bought in anymore. They're just. They're also kind of just waiting for something to shake it up. Like they're like they're waiting for a change at this point. Like they're at the end of their rope with the, with themselves as well. And I'm not saying they've kind of quit on themselves. But like they're kind of like they're kind of going through the motions and waiting and like they they like the report is that no one is off the table. Although like I believe De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton will stay on this team past the season. But like all the other players, like you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, and you know, I'm not. It, it's not like it, it doesn't look like it's getting to them as more of they're just they're just done. Like they're just you know. Like they've come to the end of the road, and they're and they're not all bought in anymore either. Like they've, they're just waiting until the trade deadline, and if they stay here, then good. If they don't, good. Like it's it's kind of the beginning of the end, and you know until until like Monty McNair hopefully like shakes up this roster, this is just what this is just what it's gonna be, and yeah, it's gonna be it's I mean it's about a little bit over a month away. We'll see what Monty McNair can do on the trade market. Okay. Now, I 
was really hoping uh, for Fong to actually be here because I actually want to do the first uh, Raven's Call segment. I, I got to come up with a better name for this, but I wanted to do a, my our first Raven Call segment with him um, on the podcast. But again, he is unavailable today, so maybe at some maybe some other time. Uh, since you know, not that much to talk about with the Nuggets game, like you know. Um, let's let's talk about a little bit, you know, about the rest of the league. Um, I so I thought this was interesting. Our first topic: um, Demar Derozan MVP talk and him being Mr. Clutch in the fourth quarter. Um, so um, it's I mean it's been a uh, like this was Monday, but like um, the Athletic released their uh, NBA show Basketball Buds, one of my favorite shows to listen to. Um, they had basically the the, the um, host basically debated about the legitimacy of legitimacy of you know DeMar DeRozan MVP talks now if uh, right now the um the Bulls are two and a half games uh, above the uh Brooklyn Nets for the for the first seed like that's actually a pretty substantial gap and you know a lot of that is attributed and rightfully so to DeMar DeRozan playing absolutely fabulous basketball right now and like you know if the you know if the season were to end today you know just it's always that phrase that never really means anything if the season were to end today he he should be he should be considered for mvp like you know i i think everyone agrees even on that show like jay king made a pretty big fuss about him not being the mvp but like you know, for, for the sake of debate, let's just say the season ended today, he would have he would have a a case for being the MVP. Now, I'm not on that train that he would be MVP. I'm kind of on Jay King's side, but what I will say is that he definitely deserves to be, you know, in the conversation. Now, whatever the hell that's worth, like I, like Ben Taylor, if like a few like, and I think it was Zach Lowe, like made a big fuss about you know Jokic should be in the MVP conversation. None of them are saying that he should win it. But they, but he should be in the conversation. They, they're getting pretty. They're throwing a fit about whether, about him being in or him not being in the conversation. But like, you know, if he's not gonna win, does it? I don't know. Does it really matter? I guess seems a bit of a pointless thing to kind of like argue about whether someone should come come number three or number two. It's just, man, and to me. But like, the theoretically, like, if the season were to end today. He definitely should have a case to actually be the MVP. Now, of course, ultimately, I think Steph should win it. I think he's just been, you know, absolutely um, transformational. Like he is the engine that drives the uh, Warriors and their success. And they're actually they actually have a better record than the Bulls. And so that's where I would kind of lean to. But like Demar, like his individual like brilliance. He's hit like two straight game winners, two absolutely ridiculous threes. He's He's, you know, he's Mr. Clutch. Apparently, I think, like, one of the most efficient players in the clutch. I don't remember the exact number. I think it was, like, 80-something percent, like, field goal percentage in the clutch. And also, like, the most um, field goals and points in the clutch. Like, he is playing absolutely amazing. Like, I think his efficiency... I think... No, I think he has more attempts than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, I think, is a little bit more efficient, but on a lot less attempts. And, like, the way he's been playing... He definitely deserves, again, deserves to be in that conversation and has a case to actually even win it. But ultimately, like, I think what it came down to, like, in that basketball buds debate, like, it got pretty heated was, 
you know, like he basically said, he doesn't think DeMar has a chance of winning it over KD and Steph. And, you know, this is me just speculating. I'm not speaking for J. King. I'm not, I don't know J. King. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm just kind of guessing what he actually means is that I think he, what the point he's trying to make is of why DeMar is not the MVP is because he doesn't have that playoff track record. Now, this is a regular season award, but we can never deny that, you know, um, the playoffs has something to do with it. Giannis had no chance for the MVP last year, even though he was just as amazing as he was. And his team was a little worse, but like he was just as amazing as he was during his back-to-back MVP years, but he had no real buzz to actually win it. But, you know, you can always talk about him being in the conversation, quote-unquote. But, like, he was never going to win it because of how, basically, the bubble tarnished his entire reputation. Now, of course, he did win the championship and score 50 fucking points in the finals, like a beat, like the beast that he is. So now he's back in the conversation. It's just one of those things where when you perform well in the playoffs, you become a main man. And, you know, as amazing as DeMar has been, the only track record we have of him in the playoffs is that is Toronto. And in Toronto, like in the playoffs, he has not performed well. The 2018 Raptors was one of the saddest ends to a season ever. Just a just a team that completely got punked and just owned by LeBron. Just didn't didn't show any fight. He ended up like being benched for game three and game four in the clutch. Like it was so bad. And unfortunately, that's all we have to go off of, even though, like, you know, for the most part, he's been really good. Like, he's been hidden away in um, in San Antonio. And, like, you know, I I remember watching him uh, last year against the Kings, like, in that in one of the final games of the season where, like, they were basically playing the Kings for the play-in spot. Like, that game was amazing. Even though he didn't score well, you always knew he was out there. He was definitely the best player on the, uh, on the Spurs. And he was probably the best player on the court for most of that game. And like he, you know, he just commanded his spots, got to his spots, created for others. And even though the box score numbers don't look great, you definitely felt he was out there. Like he was a damn, he was a force out there. And that's kind of what he's become. And, you know, unfortunately, like, even though he's been amazing thus far in the regular season, and he has a pretty good track record, even in the regular season for the past few years, although analytics nerds would like to talk about, like, how he's not been a positive influence, like, his numbers aren't, his plus minus isn't great, um, I think he's always been negative, except for this year in Chicago, but, like, the fact is, he doesn't have that track record in the playoffs, so he is not a made man, so therefore he cannot be in the MVP. He he doesn't really have a chance to win the MVP. And unfortunately, I think that's just gonna be the reality of it. Like, unless like they go on some kind of crazy ass winning streak and like say, you know, end up winning like 69 games or like, you know, 67, help break 70 <laughs> for the second time ever in Bulls history, he doesn't have a chance to win the MVP, unfortunately. Because he does he just doesn't have that that um essentially that foundation of be again being the made man in the playoffs durant is a made man in the playoffs and steph curry made man in the playoffs they just have that track track record and they will always kind of get the nod over him and honestly i think they sh- i think they should kd like steph again is the is the not the heart and soul like what the, the absolute you know the guy that's the reason for the for the uh 
for the Warriors' success. That that team loses him, they're a problem. They're probably like a fringe playoff team or even a lottery team, to be honest. And yeah, that's I think like Steph's importance to that team cannot be understated. And you know, um, I think yeah, he would have my nod to win the MVP. But I think KD should get some love. This man, it's some like you know he's had so many injuries to his team. Like, and amazing enough, the guy that comes off the Achilles is the one somehow that's the most healthy, and he's balling his ass out, scoring 30 points a game, like carrying his team because Harden isn't playing well and Kyrie refuses to get the vaccine, so he you know he he just played one game this season. Like this man is out there scoring 30 points, you know, you know doing his part, like you know setting guys up and also playing defense. Like, one of my favorite things about the bubble run that the Miami Heat had, like, Jimmy Butler in the finals was out there, you know, being the being the best offensive player on the Heat, arguably better than, on some stretches, better than Le- LeBron, which was crazy to say, and, but also on, on the defensive end, guarding LeBron in the clutch and, like, guarding Anthony Davis in the clutch. Like, he was, this man was out there playing defense and doing everything he did on offense. Like, it was one of the most incredible runs, like, I think of all time. Like, it's up there with, you know, LeBron's 2015 run. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's better, but, like, him playing defense meant a lot. Like, to be able to do all of that and produce on offense. And, but, and Kevin Durant is kind of doing the same thing. Like, that team has no defenders. Like, you know... Like, he ends up having to guard the wings, the, the best wing on the other team. He ended up having to guard Trey Young when they faced off against one another. Like, he's he's out there having to, you know, carry them on def- on offense, of course, and somehow having to carry them on offense, and, and he's doing it. So I think he deserves some love. I know the record isn't as great as the Warriors, and I think the Warriors w- or the Steph would end up getting the nod over him, which... Man, talk about the guys that somehow, like, being seven feet tall, always living under someone's shadow. (laughs) Like, but I think he deserves way more love for what he's done. Um, But yeah, that's that's kind of my DeRozan thing. Like, DeRozan's doing amazing, but I just think his, unfortunately for this regular season award, it's it's unfortunate that his playoff record is basically going to bar him from winning this award, you know, unless something incredible happens with the Bulls. Okay. And you know what last topic that I want to talk about? We talked about trades. Uh, like last episode we talked about some version of Cam Reddish to the Kings for Harrison Barnes. Like, you know, th- there are a lot of trade possibilities. This this one I'm about to bring up, I'm not the I'm not the highest on, but I can see it. Um, James Ham had talked about it, talked about it, like ESPN 1320, they talked about it, you know, KPJ and Christian Wood. Now, KPJ, he just hit a game winner against the Wizards, I think, yesterday. Nice for him. And, you know, like, he had a bit of a weird blow-up where apparently, like, him and John Lucas got into it, and he just, and he threw something in the locker room and just promptly left the arena after the argument. Now, KPJ is an interesting case, like, um... Casey even talked about why didn't the Kings go for him. I think the Rockets got him for just a second round pick from the Cleveland. And, you know, like, I kind of got why, like, the Kings didn't go for him. But at the same time, like, why not take a chance on a guy like this? But this is what, like, I think the third time he's done something just really stupid. Like, the, the reason why he dropped in the draft, I've heard, was because of attitude issues. He just has a horrific attitude and hor- a horrific temper. 
he was supposed to be a lottery a lottery pick but ended up dropping to what was it 30th to um to Cleveland and like you know he basically his Cleveland tenure ended with him throwing something at a I think at a trainer or assistant coach and that's how like that bridge was burned and now we basically have this again except it just I guess they suspended him for one game and then he's back like KBJ is an interest he's definitely got talent but like there's just something about you know shitheads I guess which you know, judging from his history, he definitely is a shithead, and, you know, definitely a guy that has maturity issues, like, it's unfortunate, I, I would love to take a chance on him, but this is a lot of evidence to, to, you know, to the contrary, to actually want me wanting to take a chance on him, maybe, like, third, four times the charm, who knows, but, like, you know, the, I don't think the Kings have the, have the, um, have the of course like they don't have the culture to support this type of personality like we have trouble holding buddy heel accountable like i don't think we'll have any chance of holding kbj accountable and like from what he's seen like he's got a lot of talent but i don't i don't see him as much of a winning player like he seems to you know play for himself for the most part of course he's young and still learning so who knows but like for the most part like i wouldn't be mad if the kings ended up getting him I wouldn't he I wouldn't be that excited to get him. Uh, I'll just say that. I wouldn't give up too much substantial. I, I don't think it would cost anything substantial to get him, but like he's a guy that's interesting, has his flaws, but it you know, it, as Jason Jones always said, the king and like Sean Cunningham too, kings are not in position to deny talent or to say like, oh, we don't need this guy. No, you need just about everything you can get. And KBJ is an interesting one. If he's on the block, it is Houston tenure is coming is like coming to an end you, you need to take a look at a guy like him but I would be concerned and you know I listened to um the Haber the Haber show today uh, with Amin, Amina Hassan Amin El Hassan and he talked about how John Lucas is Mr. Reclamation Project and the fact that you know John Lucas couldn't even like deal with this deal with this idiot Man, I don't want to call him an idiot this hothead like again that just puts more fuel on the fire that this guy is problem in the locker room and there's something there and this might be a bit of a lost cause and maybe the kings should stay away but again they're not in position to deny any talent at all and in a bit of a smaller case i guess on the same team christian wood now christian wood is another guy that you know undeniable talent but has we you know weirdly bounced around the league like he was in well i've only known him in detroit but before that you know he has a, he has a pretty unfortunate story um so coming into the draft he was a bit of a cocky prick and apparently just didn't do well in workouts and you know he ended up undrafted on draft night and his girlfriend left him Jeez, what a prize <laughs> um you know he, but he ended up picking up picking himself up he played very well in detroit and ended up earning a I think a 40 million over three years contract which he's on right now and you know he he was actually pretty good to start the season last year like I remember like like he tried to like um try to like make a essentially make his do a self-run campaign to to make the all-star game and I like he had a case a little bit but he got injured and I never thought he had a chance but then he got really salty about it but like he, he's definitely a talented guy and like the kings need a guy like him like kind of a kind of a, a four kind of a kind of a, a big man four that can be a small ball five or play the four position 
and like that can also shoot like that's the big thing that i think that the kings need and he fills that need but it's in the same vein as kpj granted not to the extreme like he seems he's again he's bounced around and he's a guy that's talented so like there's probably some smoke there about some sort of attitude problems and you know in that same game that kpj went home in like apparently he he refused to check back in like in the second half when they were getting demolished by the uh denver nuggets like again there's just some weird attitude issues and again like with the culture that the kings have or lack thereof like can they make can they i guess handle a player like him you know just me guessing probably no but again like the kings need to throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks because right now we're starving just for talent like you're not in a position to ever deny talent when you're the kings and you're you know you've missed the playoffs for 15 straight years and you know very possibly could be looking at 16 soon like it's just you you got it you got to take whatever you can get right now and you know we'll see like if these are viable options but these are two guys that they should maybe you know make a phone call about them i imagine monty will but you know if you have to give up anything for them i'm not sure you need to you should give up much for these guys you know judging from their history but again the kings need talent so you know at some point something needs to give okay well, that's all I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, just a little catch up a little bit on the league. There's probably some other news I'm missing out on, but these are the two things that really caught my mind. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough time to be a Kings fan. Like, you know, even me, like I was, I was completely emotionally detached from this game. Like I just started kind of laughing towards the end because the Kings, because there was a stretch where the Nuggets just could not get anything going, could not hit anything. And like the Kings just could not help themselves. They could they couldn't get anything going on offense. And like had they made a few had they made a few baskets and kind of made the Nuggets sweat a little bit. You never know like if they could come back or not. But like they had a chance and they just kind of blew it. And I was just kind of smiling, kind of like essentially doing the Joker face. You know, like in the in the movie where he's holding putting a finger putting two fingers through his cheeks and kind of pulling them into a smile. That's kind of where I'm at with the Kings. Like, I'm watching it, like, for the sake of watching it, because, you know, I am just a fan, but, like, there's no real enjoyment of watching this team. They, they don't play they don't play pretty basketball. They don't play smart basketball. And it's, it's rough to watch, and it's hard to get invested anymore, you know? Hopefully that changes, but as it stands right now, Kings need to, need to change, need to shake up, and let, hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Um, okay. Well, so on that somber note, um, this is, um, yeah, this, so this is the end of the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll probably, I'll probably um, hear from you guys, or you, you guys will probably hear from me after the Sunday game against, who are they playing? I believe they're playing against the Trailblazers? Let's see. Oh, we are. Yeah, we're playing Portland, man. They're, they're playing like shit right now. They just lost to a, who was it cleveland like man uh, talk about talk about the battle of the shits <laughs> um here we'll see we'll see if we can actually beat portland um next up okay thank you guys for listening i'll catch you guys on sunday night <laughs>